You are listening to the African Campfire Stories podcast. The African Campfire Stories podcast is a podcast program that is dedicated to the telling of African history stories and events. Welcome. At the African Campfire Stories podcast, we strive for quality programming. But to bring African history stories to you, we have to wade through dozens of facts, names of people, and names of places. Therefore, should you pick up anything we might get wrong, please leave us a comment on our website, www.africancampfirestories.com. You can also leave a comment on our social media pages, on Twitter, African Campfire Stories, on Facebook, African Campfire Stories on Instagram, African Campfire Stories. Your contribution will help us keep us honest and it will go a long way in making this podcast a success. Also, to create this podcast, we use source materials from historians, academics and other writers. We therefore would like to take this opportunity to thank all the men and women who write about African history. With that being said, now we turn to today's episode. This is episode 3, Cold War Pawns, The Cold War in the African Context. This is the second episode of our first series called Cold War Pawns. Before you listen to today's episode, we highly recommend that you check out episode 2, which is an episode that provides an introduction to our Cold War Pawns series. For an overall introduction to our podcast, you can check out episode 1. As we stated in episode 2, we will give you a number of background episodes to the Cold War before we get to cover African countries specifically. This episode continues in the vein of providing a background and context for our Cold War Pawn series. And so, let us begin with what we have to discuss today. The Cold War is named that way because it was a conflict that did not spill out into a shooting war between the principal participants of the Cold War, the USA and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, that is, the United States of America and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics did not directly go to war with each other during the Cold War. But don't let that fool you. The Cold War has had a significant impact and consequences on history that have been far-reaching. Also, just because the USA and the USSR did not engage in direct fighting, it does not mean that people did not die as a result of the Cold War. It was a conflict of long duration, starting around 1947 and only ending in 1991 when the USSR collapsed. Both the USA and the USSR carried on the Cold War into Africa with such dedication and ferocity. The story of why the only two remaining world powers would fight over control and influence in Africa would make little sense without the background we are providing on the previous episode, on this episode and as well as on the upcoming episodes. In the previous episode, episode 2, we explained the concept of the Cold War and why we have titled this series as the Cold War. But on the previous episode, we also said that on this episode, we will explain why we think that it's necessary to present as thorough of a background on the Cold War as we possibly can. So, let us get on with the explanation then. We did a rough poll among the people around us who have some understanding of African history and history in general. We did this because we wanted to determine 
how much do people know about how the Cold War played out in Africa? And also to determine how much of a background we have to provide on the Cold War. We admit that this poll was not a professional poll by any means. It was limited to the people we know. People of all races and sexes, by the way. Our findings from that poll can essentially be summarized in the following statement. Open quote. You don't need to tell us much background about the Cold War. Why else would the USA and the USSR interfere in Africa except for the purpose of wanting to exploit Africa's minerals and resources, just like the old colonial powers did? As with colonists, the whole thing was about the exploitation of Africa, etc., etc. Close quote. Maybe such views are correct. Maybe they're not. For our team, the African Campfire Stories team, our research on the Cold War left us unsure if whether the Cold War period in Africa was the same as the colonization period in Africa. We are not going to provide you with background information on the Cold War with the purpose of trying to achieve the following aims. Number one, we are not trying to prove that the interference of the USA and the USSR in Africa during the Cold War was not for the same objectives as the actions of the colonization period, nor are we trying to prove that their objectives were the same as the objectives of the European countries during the colonization period. Number two, we are not trying to prove that the USA and the USSR were not exploiting Africa during the Cold War. We are not intending to push any agenda here. We are simply here to provide you with the story of what happened and who did what. We won't take any sides. We are not going to speak on behalf of anyone. We have stated in the introduction episode of this podcast, episode one, that we are not going to take any sides when we tell any of the stories we will be presenting to you. We are not going to show any favor or disfavor. What we are interested in is to tell the facts. You can use those facts to make up your mind either way. We feel that there isn't full understanding of the Cold War amongst Africans and there isn't full understanding of the Africa-related events of the Cold War among the people outside of the African continent. So, we have a double challenge. In later episodes, we will explain in the fullest possible manner both the Cold War and the extent to which the Cold War affected Africa. We are going to provide an extensive look at the history of the relationship between the USA and the USSR. Once we are done with that, we will then tackle the Cold War-related events in each of the African countries that were affected by the Cold War. The Cold War was multifaceted, and the full and complete aims of any country can be difficult to pin down. Looking at the case of Vietnam would be instructive. Vietnam is one of the countries that suffered directly because of the Cold War. The USA was involved in Vietnam for a long time. The Vietnam War officially started in 1955 and it ended in 1975. America was actually involved dating back to 1945. Though at the time, the US involvement was mainly about giving financial and military aid to France. Vietnam had been a French colony and France was trying hard to keep things that way after the Second World War ended in 1945. America was helping France to keep Vietnam as a French colony. France, having been embarrassingly given a thrashing by the Nazis in World War II, was given yet another thrashing by the Vietnamese rebel army and kicked out of Vietnam by 1954. In the same year, 
agreements were reached that saw the creation of a North Vietnam and a South Vietnam. The North being communist and the South being capitalist. You'll see a lot of this dividing up of countries into communist and capitalist zones during the Cold War period. It was one of the peculiarities of this conflict that kept splitting up countries into zones of influence and, in the process, creating booby traps for further conflict in the future. From 1955, American soldiers started dying on the rice fields of Vietnam. By 1965, the USA was fully involved. The USSR provided help to the North Vietnamese communists, so did China. Just as we would see in our story, when we get to talk about African countries, the situation in Vietnam was essentially a civil war between the Vietnamese people. The USA and the USSR threw themselves into an already brewing situation. What is surprising about the Vietnam War is that all of the US presidents who were involved in that war were seemingly dubious about the benefits of America's involvement. Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, all these US presidents at some stage complained in private conversations about fighting a war in that country they didn't care for. A war that they saw little point of fighting. The USA was solely involved in Vietnam because of Cold War dynamics. This war was a war they couldn't get out of because none of them countenanced giving up the communists. To fight a war like the Vietnam War for so long, when key individuals on the American side were doubtful of its benefits, defeats any logic, unless you take into account that the Cold War developed its own logic, a kind of illogical logic. And this illogical logic will be shown again and again in this story. Way before the Cold War began, US President Franklin Roosevelt once made the following statement, open quote, We have nothing to fear but fear itself, close quote. The Cold War period can be said to be an error that generated fear from fear. It would not be easy to understand why in Africa, the USA and the USSR each supported and stuck with some of the most horrible leaders the African continent has ever seen without understanding this concept of illogical logic which seems to have been driven by the phenomenon of fear generating more fear. To understand why something like that could happen, you need to understand what both the USA and the USSR considered to be at stake during the Cold War. The USA, like now, as back then, was preaching democracy, freedom and good governance. So the country's record in Africa, based on the type of African leaders the USA supported during the Cold War, seemed at the time totally hypocritical and illogical. I say at the same time because nowadays the USA has a tainted international reputation. The leaders and governments that both the USA and the USSR supported in Africa ruined both these countries' reputations in the eyes of the world. They supported incompetent leaders in Africa, some of whom were genocidal, leaders who murdered their own people, leaders who stole money from their own people. Yet, the USA and the USSR looked the other way. So long as these African leaders and governments would side with them in the Cold War, all else was okay. It is also questionable whether supporting those African leaders was sometimes in the best interest of the USA and the USSR. That is the illogical logic of the Cold War. The USSR and the USA had defeated the Nazis during World War II the USA mostly providing the materials and the money for fighting the war. 
the USSR providing mostly the soldiers. So thus, at the end of the Second World War, they were both loved and admired the world over. Yet, they squandered this hard-earned status of world heroes. It can be argued that a big portion of the reputation that the USA has today for being a rapacious and conniving superpower comes from its deeds during the Cold War. If the USSR was still around today, it would probably also have a similar dark cloud over its reputation. In fact, maybe the best thing to have happened to modern-day Russia was the collapse of her predecessor, the USSR. <laughs> but don't tell that to Vladimir Putin. He thinks the USSR era was a glorious time. Looking back at the history of the USA, many a past US leader had warned about foreign entanglements. From the USA's very first president, George Washington, to the 1821 quote from later president, John Quincy Adams below, the USA had been and was supposed to be a country that stood against foreign involvements. John Quincy Adams said the following. Note that when Adams says she, he is referring to America. Open quote. She has, in the lapse of nearly half a century, without a single exception, respected the independence of other nations while asserting and maintaining her own. She has abstained from interference in the concerns of others, even when conflict has been for principles for which she clings, as to the last vital drop that visits the heart. Close quote. And this kind of thinking wasn't limited to the early years of the USA either. As late as the beginning of World War II in Europe, Americans refused to be swayed into getting involved in that war. Even their fathers, two decades earlier, had taken forever to be convinced to get involved in World War I. Of course, nowadays, the idea of a USA that isn't meddling in other countries' affairs is rather absurd. Their latest conspicuous meddling being George Bush's adventure in Iraq in 2003. But it can be argued that it was the Cold War that made the America that we know today. After World War I, the USA had left the world hanging and she went back into isolationism and minding her own business. It took the attack on Pearl Harbor by Japan and the subsequent declaration of war on the USA by Hitler, both events happening just a few days apart in December 1941, to get the USA involved in world affairs again. The post-World War II face-off with Stalin and the perceived danger from communism is probably an important reason why the USA did not leave the world stage after that war, like she had done after World War I. And that face-off and perceived danger is what the essence of the Cold War was for the USA. On the other hand, the system that the USSR subscribed to, communism, had been born as a way for providing a means of solidarity and common struggle amongst workers across the world. When the USSR first went communist in 1917, there were efforts to spread revolution across Europe. However, it should be noted that later on, due to circumstances and challenges at the time, the USSR had to adopt an approach they called socialism in one country. According to this thinking, the USSR would take a pause from propagating world revolution and focus on developing communism only in the USSR. Joseph Stalin also made a show of disbanding Comintern during World War II. The Comintern, which was short for Communist International, was an organization created by the USSR to spread revolution all over the world. 
Some historians, however, believe that the USSR never ever stopped propagating world revolution, that the publicized breaks from pushing for world revolution were just propaganda stunts. The Cold War came to Africa as the colonial powers that had been occupying Africa for a long time were packing up and leaving. So, why would the USA and the USSR, who had not been associated with the age of African colonization, come running to Africa as the likes of Britain, France, Belgium and Portugal were closing shop? Why was winning over Africa so important for the two world powers? To have an answer for that question, you need to understand that the Cold War was like a marathon. It's a marathon that began around 1947 and ended with the collapse of the USSR in 1991. Africa was a crucial lap in that marathon. Neither of the superpowers wanted to lose the African lap of that marathon. In 1947, US President Harry Truman introduced what was later called the Truman Doctrine. Truman told the US Congress that America had to help all countries that were facing intervention from the USSR. Truman's doctrine was based on a government paper that his advisors had written for him. In that paper, his advisors told him that the USSR understood only strength and force. Thus, the only way to deal with the USSR was through the application of force and the showing of strength. If Truman didn't believe what this paper was telling him, the cases of Turkey and Greece concentrated his mind wonderfully. In Turkey, soon after World War II, the USSR had demanded access to the Turkish Straits, which would allow the USSR access to the Mediterranean Sea. Turkey had refused. In Greece, there was a civil war between the communists and the monarchists. Monarchists are basically people who would like to see a king or a queen running a country. It looked as if the communists were about to win and thus take over power in Greece. It should be said, however, that when it came to Greece, Stalin had kept to his promise to the Americans of not supporting the Greek communists. He had not helped the Greek communists in their first fight against the Greek monarchists. This point is an important point to note, because, as we will see in later episodes, Stalin will become notorious for not keeping to his word. But it was already too late. Truman was by this time seeing Stalin's dirty finger in every pie. And this was made worse by Stalin's action in Eastern Europe. We will discuss these actions in detail in later episodes of the Cold War Pawns series. After President Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower took the mantle of American president. At a news conference in 1954, Eisenhower explained why the USA had to intervene in Vietnam. He used what later would be called the domino theory to explain his reasoning. This is what he said, open quotes. Finally, you have broader considerations that might follow what you would call the falling domino principle. You have a row of dominoes set up, you knock over the first one, and what will happen to the last one is the certainty that it will go over very quickly. So... You could have a beginning of a disintegration that would have the most profound influence. Close quote. Simply put, this means that if you allow one country to go communist, then the rest of the countries in that region might follow. It thus means that you must intervene everywhere where communism shows its face. But if the USA had a Cold War statement of intent in the form of the Truman Doctrine and Domino Theory, the USSR 
would not be outdone. The leader of the USSR, Leonid Brezhnev, also outlined his own doctrine in 1968. Open quote. When forces that are hostile to socialism try to turn the development of some socialist country towards capitalism, it becomes not only a problem of the country concerned, but a common problem and concern of all socialist countries. Close quote. <laughs> that is the logic of the Cold War. For every war in one direction, there was going to be an opposing action. This so-called Brezhnev Doctrine was promulgated to justify the USSR's intervention in Czechoslovakia early in 1968. This intervention wasn't the first, nor would it be the last. For instance, in 1956, the USSR had invaded Hungary. These invasions had to do with removing governments or movements that had shown anti-USSR tendencies and replacing them with pro-USSR governments. Sometimes these replacements were not just pro-USSR, but they were hand-picked by the USSR herself. The USA and the USSR faced off around the world before they brought the Cold War over to Africa. The formation of NATO and the Warsaw Pact are also two instructive Cold War actions. NATO is short for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO was formed in 1949 with the express purpose of containing the USSR. It was a collective defense military organization formed under the leadership of the USA, but originally consisting of 12 European and North American countries. But remember, this is the Cold War. No deed was left unanswered. So, not to be outdone, the USSR formed the Warsaw Pact in 1955. It was formed specifically after West Germany was inducted into NATO. As you will see later in the Cold War Pawn series, the USSR was very sensitive about Germany during the Cold War. In fact, sensitive is putting it mildly. If there is any level of concern about paranoia, that would be how the USSR felt about Germany. Extremely paranoid. The Warsaw Pact, officially called the Treaty of Friendship, Cooperation and Mutual Assistance, was basically a communist version of NATO. It consisted of the USSR and some Eastern European socialist countries. Countries that were under the full sway of the USSR, so they had little choice in the matter. In 1948, the USA formed an economic scheme worth $12 billion for European post-war recovery. The scheme was called the Marshall Plan. When the USA naughtily extended this scheme to the USSR and the Eastern European countries under the USSR's sphere of influence, Stalin smelt a rat. He then told those countries to refuse the US plan. And since this is the Cold War, the USSR responded with its own economic scheme, known as the Molotov plan. This plan would be to assist the Eastern European countries that were under the USSR's influence. Again, choice wasn't something that there was a lot of in this matter. <laughs> Even the naming of these two schemes is strangely competitive. The Marshall Plan was named after George C. Marshall, who was the U.S. Secretary of State at the time, a Secretary of State being a minister that handles foreign affairs in the U.S. government. The Molotov Plan was named after Vyacheslav Molotov, the minister who handled foreign affairs in the USSR government. 
you just can't help but love some of the tit-for-tat silliness carried on by the two superpowers during the Cold War period. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have for today. This is the end of today's installment of the Cold War Porn series. On the next episode, episode 4, we will dive into the beginning and the next development of the bad blood between the USA and the USSR. The next episode is called The Birth of Fear, and from this title, it can be surmised that we will be looking at the source of the mutual fear and distrust between the USSR and the USA. We will discuss the beginnings of communism in the USSR, the Russian Civil War, the intervention of foreign powers in the USSR Civil War, Winston Churchill will preach against communism and the USSR, and much, much more. For the latest updates, notices, and announcements, remember to follow the African Campfire Stories podcast on Twitter, African Campfire Stories, Facebook, African Campfire Stories, Instagram, African Campfire Stories. Also, visit our website at www.africancampfirestories.com. Stay tuned. See you next time.